we're wrapping up our series on the spiritual gifts, on the charismata or the sign gifts of the Spirit, which is one of the defining characteristics of our church. And what we've been talking about is this idea that there's um, denominations and there's other churches that believe, and there, there are brothers and sisters, and I'm just saying this is a different way of believing, although I've got a conviction, I've got a conviction that these things are real. But there's other churches and denominations that don't believe that the sign gifts are for today. What are the sign gifts? Like, uh, well, let's, let's take a look and turn with me. And this has our, been our key scripture through this whole series. Uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, and to another the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, and to another faith, gift of faith, that's what we're talking about today, and by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing, and by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one of us just as he determines. So, kind of an important verse. And my, like, they're there. Like, saying God gives us these gifts. And so we just need to have a really good, hard, honest read of the Bible, and we need to decide if, if that's true and if this is our interpretation. Like I said, there's brothers and sisters in Christ that read this and they interpret it as, okay, these gifts don't work anymore. That's what they, that's what they believe because, they, well, they've never experienced it. They've never experienced a healing. They've never experienced a word of knowledge. They've never heard anybody pray in a, in a spiritual language or pray in tongues or speak in tongues unless they're watching it on TBN. So they never, they've never tasted and seen that these things are real. Of course, I believe that they're real. And what we've seen, the day we're talking about the gift of faith. And it's like, what is the gift of faith? I thought I already have faith. And you do, and I'll explain it in a second. Uh, the interesting bit about when people open up the word of God and they read it honestly when men and women open up the word and they say, you know what, this is what the word of God says, although that's not my experience, how about if I just try to believe what God says in his book? And maybe it is for today. Maybe it is for my life. Now, men and women that have taken that risk and have done that, they have done absolutely amazing things. Uh, one of the, the, if you will, one of the spiritual fathers of this church, uh, in addition to my dad and uh, John Wimber did this. He was a, you know, he was a pastor. He was a teacher. Oh, he also was a musician and a number of different things. And he's reading through the Bible and he's reading through, he read this and the, the, the signs and wonders and miracles. At the, end of, at the end of Mark, signs and wonders will follow those that believe. And he's like, wait a minute, no one's ever taught me that these spiritual gifts exist. No one has ever, you know, he's a, he's a pastor. How did I get, how did this get, how did this slip by me? 
And so John Wimber's like, I want to do the stuff. And so from that, from that statement and from that desire, you know, he just, God moved him into areas. And then there was this faith that boiled up inside of him. He began to start walking this thing out. And signs and wonders were just going all over the place. And the, the movement was called the Vineyard Movement. It exploded exponentially. The way that we even do worship is all because of this, this man, this, this style of worship. And, you know, before there was YouTube and before there was SoundCloud and all these different things, a song would be um, wrote, wrote in Anaheim and performed on a Sunday, and a week later they'd be singing it in Russia without, without the Internet. Uh, we've had Randy Clark speak in our church a few times. And something, something similar happened to him. He was, he was a Baptist, and he, you know, didn't, he was in a tradition that didn't believe in some of the things, and they picked and chose which ones they liked, um, but they didn't believe in the fullness of it. And he was in seminary, and he's working through his doctorate, and he's like, you know, I, I think that there's more. I'm reading the Bible, and the, the Bible says that, that, that God's a healer. The very nature of God is to heal. It is, his, it is his nature and it is his ways. In fact, it is even his name, Jehovah Rapha. God is, he is a God of, that heals. And last week, I, I, which is the most important spiritual gift? I'm not quite sure. But I do believe that healing is, is, is central to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus healed everybody, well, everybody that had faith, everybody that he encountered, everybody that was willing to, 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 to walk into his presence. Um, the only people that he really couldn't heal were the, the, the negative, skeptical people. But God wants to heal not only our bodies, but he wants to heal our souls. That's why Jesus came. So I think physical healing is central to the gospel message. So a man read the Bible and says, is healing for today? He says, I'm going to choose to think that it is. And he began to step out in faith, and then he began to see healing. I mean, just in documented healings. Randy has compiled um, a list of medically documented healings. It's the largest database in the world. There, there's more documented miracles today than there ever, ever has been in the history of the world. So he's doing some incredible work. Now the next guy that I'm going to tell you about that opened up the Word of God and began to read it and began to say, wait a minute, this is what the Word of God says. This is not what I've been taught. This is not my tradition. But I'm having some really difficulties here. Tell you what, let me just read you what this man read. And uh, let me know what you think. You ready? This one's rough. This one's written in red letters. You know what that means? That means that Jesus said this one. And if Jesus says something, we should probably pay attention to it. If Jesus says something, it applies to us today. If it doesn't apply to us today, then it wouldn't be in red letters in your Bible. This is what Jesus says to us. Have faith, this is uh, Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 24. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go 
and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have it and and believe that you will receive it and it will be yours. That's a pretty scary verse. So years ago, the man's with the Lord now, but he's controversial. But there's nothing wrong with the man's life. He was a man of character. He was a man of faith. He never blew it. Right now, we're living in this season where some of our, one of our most visible pastors are falling morally, or they're falling, and they're doing dumb things, or they're getting caught, or whatever. Uh, this man never did. He lived his life all the way to age 85, completely a man of integrity and character. He, he might come off as a little strange, but he, there was fruit in his life. He read this verse as a young man in a tradition that didn't believe what Jesus wrote. And he was like, wait, you guys are confusing me because you're telling me that the Bible is true, and this is what Jesus says. Jesus says that if I ask for anything in his name, I'm going to receive it. If I believe in my heart, and if I don't doubt, I can move mountains. That's what the Bible says. And this man was Kenneth Hagin. Some of you know him, probably most of you don't, but some of us have some general understanding of, um, of his influence. His influence, again, this is a man of integrity. He, there's fruit in his ministry, but he went after something so important and so powerful and so effective, it actually worked because he began to pray prayers and ask God for stuff, and it happened. He prayed, and he spoke, and things began to happen. Hagen had this gift of faith. He had the gift of faith. He believed it. He didn't doubt. God gave him an extra portion of faith. Now, let's talk about faith before I begin to, well, okay, this is what, before I get into that. He was criticized for being weird, I guess. Um, And the people that began to follow his teachings, the ones that abused it, is what we would call a prosperity gospel movement. You're familiar with this. You've seen these guys and gals. Prosperity things that says, you know what, God, it's, it's God's will to make you rich. Then that's, that's it, it, there's problems with that. But what we do know is that God does want to bless you. That's what the word of God says. It's just the, the enemy's plan is to manipulate it and to say, you know what, you know, this is just prosperity gospel. God's desire is just to give everybody Porsches and Learjets and and then uh, that's what he wants to do, which is it's just not true. But that's the, that's the extreme that it went into. Hagen never went into it. He built schools. He fed orphans. He was he, he was passionately um, uh, passionate about evangelism. I mean, he was just a great guy. Anyway, okay. So let's talk about faith. You have faith. Most of us have actually stepped across the line of faith. I'd say in this room, most of you accepted Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. You understand the gospel message. If you don't, if you want it, take a, you got to step forward. you got to have a meeting with me or somebody or a pastor. If you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come and see me. Let's have, a co- let's have coffee. Let's have a conversation. It's the best decision you'll make in your life, giving your life over to Jesus. 
Everybody's giving, everybody's given um, enough faith to believe in God. We call it salvation faith. Uh, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 2.8 says, it is, For it is by grace, through faith, that you have been saved. By grace, through faith, you have been saved. So it is God's grace that saves you. He is the saver. Not, we're not, we don't save ourselves, but we are, have been given this faith to respond to his grace. So fit, grace and faith, they go together. And so here's the good news. Everybody's got a, enough faith that God gives them from the moment of their birth or the moment of their conception. You all have enough faith to receive Jesus Christ into your heart and to be with him forever. It's there. You have it. Surrender your will to him. Accept him into your life. It's, just, again, the best decision you'll make in your entire life. You have the faith to go to heaven. And God made a way through his grace. So you understand that part? You with me? Salvation grace. Salvation faith. Now, the Bible, you, you, take, you guys want some points? You like points? Like to write stuff down? Like an outline? All right, here's your outline today. So that's point one. I want you to write down faith. I want you to write down salvation faith as your first point. Your second point is having faith in God's promises. The amazing thing about this book that we get to carry around, it's, it's objective. It's tangible. I, I don't, okay, I'll admit, I, I, I read the Bible digitally a lot. It's actually amazing for studying. But I like, to, I like paper. I like, I like having the tangible thing in my hand. I like to actually read the black and white letters and the red letters. And in this book, there's promises for your life. And some of them are absolutely crazy. And God gives you faith to believe in the promises of the Bible. So that's another, that's another level of faith. And you have, you have to have faith to believe in some of the stuff that God tells you about yourself and that God tells you about your family. It is God's will and it is his desire. It is his promise. This is going to sound like prosperity gospel, but unfortunately it's true. Or fortunately it's true. Amen? Amen. It is God's promise to prosper you and not hurt you. God is a good God. It is God's promise that you will be healthy and you will be made whole. If not this side of heaven, then the other side of heaven. You will be healthy and you will be whole. You will be of a sound mind. You will be of a sound body. You will be with, with, with all of your loved ones in heaven someday. That is a promise from God. You might even be able to be with your loved animals someday. Can I get an amen? amen. Goliath is waiting for me in heaven. So is Sheba. I don't think Bo is going to get to go to heaven. That dog was dumb. Dumb dog. I don't want to hang out with that dog in heaven. Now, cats is another story. Cat, I don't think cats go to heaven. I'm sorry. <laughs> Preach it. No, no, okay. Okay, I, got, so I have a confession. I have a new cat. I've got three cats. I have a new cat, and I'm falling in love with this cat. His name is Bruce. He's a tuxedo cat, and... I know. There's my, there's my confession. I'm falling in love with a cat. He's so cute. He thinks he's a dog. I think that's why I like him. So he thinks he's a dog. 
So like he'll, whenever the dogs run to the door and begin to bark, he does that too. He'll, he'll jump up on the, and he'll, he'll bark, he'll like growl. It's really weird. Anyway, um, okay, so cats go to heaven too. Maybe. Where was I? Okay, so, prom- so we have enough faith to believe in the promises of, all of the Bible. It is God's will that you, for, for you to, it is God's promise if you're obedient and if you follow his ways, you will live life to the full and you will be happy, you will be full, you'll be content. Yeah? Wouldn't that be nice? That's a promise from the Lord. You need to have faith to believe that that will happen. What the word of God tells us that Jesus, Jesus himself, increased in faith and favor with the Lord and with people. We, we are, you've been saved. You have your salvation faith. You might even believe in some of these things in the Bible, but maybe you don't believe in all of them. But I'm telling you, you have enough in faith to believe in all of them. And here's your responsibility with your salvation faith and faith of the, the promises in the Bible. You're responsible for stewarding your own faith and growing your own faith and encouraging yourself in your faith and building yourself up in faith. We have to grow in faith. You're not, you're not, like, you just don't level off once you get saved. Like, that's not the end game. The gospel message, the good news, yes, it is salvation. It is the repentance of sin. Jesus came to save you. He, he came to, to forgive you of your sin, to relieve your debt, to pay that price, to write that check, to, to cancel your debt. That was, that's, that's part one of the gospel message. Part two of the gospel message, the gospel message of the kingdom of heaven, in that I believe that God came, Jesus came, to release the heaven on earth type of a gift to us. He's going to give us a gift, and that is heaven. The gospel message, the good news, is that heaven begins now. You enter into heaven the day you get saved. Now. Isn't that cool? You're in eternity right now. You got this, I don't know, whatever this thing is, this meat vehicle, right? It's carrying our spirit. Yeah. All right, so here's your point number three. Those are two. Salvation, faith, you need to understand it. You need to get saved. Point number two, you need to believe and have faith in the promises of the Bible that they're for you today. Go after them. You need to, you need to grow in faith. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. But what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12, when we're talking about the charismata, the sign gifts, this gift of faith, it's different. Pay attention. You, are you with me? This one's different. The gift of faith is different. This is, if, it, it's, if it's not, then it wouldn't be categorized like this. So some of us have the gift of healing. Some of us have the gift of tongues. Some of us have the gift of prophecy. Some of us have the gift of discerning of spirits. Some of us have the gift of faith. Wait, wait, what? Really? I thought I already have faith. Everybody has faith. And now you're telling me that only some people have it? Uh, yeah, because this one's different. You see what... What Hagee tapped into... When he read this Mark verse, it says, you know, if, if, if you believe in your heart and if you don't doubt, 
you can speak to the mountain and it's going to go into the sea. That type of faith requires the gift of faith. And not everybody has it. Not everybody can... I shouldn't... You might be... I think maybe everybody can have it. If it's beneficial for the church. I think that the way that it works is that there's a few people that have the gift of faith and they're able to see into the spiritual realm and they're able to believe for the impossible. And you need to have these types of people around you. You need to get around people that have the gift of faith because they believe in the impossible. And not only do they believe it, they see it. So let me just... Let's, ask, let's answer this question. So if there is, if this is a separate type of faith, if this is a different category, this gift of faith, how do I get it? Right? How do, I, how do, you, get, how do you get a gift of faith? Um, again, it is a gift. It is given to you. How do you know you have it? Uh, it? This is true with all of the gifts, by the way. All of the gifts. You've got, if you're sitting in the room, if you stepped across the line of faith, you have at least one gift. You have at least one of these. Isn't that a kind of a scary thought? What's your spiritual gift today? Do you know what it is? You need to ask the Lord if you don't. You need to be confident that you have one. You need to be confident that you know what it is. If you're not sure about it, I don't know, we could give you a test, but I don't really think the tests work. I think you just really need to listen to the Lord. Like You need to have this confidence that you know what your gift is. Or you need to get around somebody that, that sees in the spirit, that has a discerning of spirit, and may be able to confirm what you might think or believe. So, if you have a gift that's been given to you, let's, let's do money. Let's say uh, Aunt Ruth gave you $1,000 in cash and you put it into your wallet and it sits in your wallet for a whole year. Have you used the gift? No. See, God wants you to use your gift. He wants you to open it up, take it out, and spend it. Some of your spouses are like, yeah, let's spend that money. Okay, wait on that second. Maybe... Maybe uh, Aunt Ruth gave you the money to pay off your debt. She wants you to use that gift to pay off your debt, not to go, you know, not to buy more toys, right? So when we get the gift, we, we are responsible for unpackaging it and then using it and letting it loose, taking it off the leash, stepping out in faith. It applies to all of the gifts, and especially even this 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 kind of this strange gift of faith, gift of faith. So these people, again, these people believe in the absolute miracle of, of the, they, like these people kind of scare you because they have, they have vision that you don't understand. So how do you, you know, okay, so if you have it, how do you release it? How do you know you have it? How do you maybe even receive it? Do you know how you receive it? How do you receive faith? You can ask for it. Sure, maybe. Um, can... Do you think that you can receive, maybe you can. I'm just, this is hypothetical stuff. But do you think that you can receive faith by going to a class? 
Maybe, maybe not. Do you think that you can receive faith by just sitting in your room and reading the Bible all day long? Maybe, maybe not. Do you think that you can receive faith um, by faithfully coming to church each and every Sunday? No. Do you think that you can receive faith by giving continually? I wish you could. (laughs) That's why we're having a financial meeting. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. This isn't your normal type of hearing. This is the divine hearing. Let me read it to you in the NIV. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So you have to, Jesus talks about this over and over and over again. He says you have, to, you have ears, but you don't hear, right? You have eyes, but you don't see. And so there needs to be an activation of your ears so that you can hear God's voice. I guess you could probably hear God's voice if you're reading the Bible. Maybe. You could hear God's voice if you go to a class, maybe. But here's the thing. God's, God's voice, when we, we, we have to hear it. We have to know that God's speaking to us. We have to know that God is speaking through somebody to us, your friends and your family. When you do community together, you, you hear God's voice from one another, the one anothering, the being in relationship. You hear God's voice. You hear the word of God through, through a sermon. You hear it. It's, it's, it's in the air, and you need to hear, you need to be able to discern what God's word is, what his voice sounds like. Faith comes by hearing God's word. And what do we hear? How do you know it's true? It is, it is the message of Jesus Christ. It has got this gospel entwined into it. If you're hearing words from somebody and there is no gospel message in it, if there is nothing about Jesus in it, then it's not good. It's not from the Lord. It might make you feel good. It might be like a good, like Tony Robbins, you know, encouraging, get you amped up thing. But if there's no Jesus in it, it's not good. It doesn't, it doesn't build your faith. It might build a, a, um, an artificial confidence, but true confidence comes from the Lord. True confidence is from God. So we, we get this faith by hearing, and by hearing the word of God. And this is where, this is where uh, Hagen uh, really pushes it. He's like, Okay, so if I hear the word of God and then I, then I know it's, it's, it's the word of God and then I begin to speak it, then it's going to become true. That's that move in the mountain thing. Whatever you ask for, you will receive. Whatever you speak into existence through God's word, it will come to pass. Wow. There is... The potential for the power of your words are off the charts. You can create something out of nothing with the power of your words. And again, I think it requires this gift of faith. All right. We're going to go back because I need to highlight something. I, I think, I really do think I have a revelation on this whole gift thing. Last week, Okay, so in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, we go through these gifts. 
And the Bible tells us that God gives them to us, right, as, as he, as he uh, determines. So you might have one and you might have the other. And I think what we've done in the church is we've kind of built in this, maybe this dysfunctional spiritual hierarchy. When we go out, when we eagerly desire these spiritual gifts. And so I was like, okay, what gift do I have? Uh, do I have the spiritual gift of healing? Do I have the spiritual gift of the prophecy or whatever? What do I have? And, 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 and how does it make me better? If we continue to read through chapter 12 and, and specifically through chapter 13, you're going to learn that the spiritual gifts, guess what? They're not for you. They're for the church. They're for the building up and the, and the strengthening and the edifying of the church. Uh, in Rick Warren's famous book, Purpose Driven Life, the very first thing that he writes on the cover is, it, it's not about you. And if you want to eagerly desire these spiritual gifts, you should, but you need to come to the realization that it's not about you. These gifts aren't, they're not there to make you a superhero or a superhuman. It, it's not there to, you know, make you awesome or whatever. No, it's there to, to strengthen the body of Christ. So, Here's the thing. How do you know which gift do you have? And do you only get one or two, or we should, we're eagerly to desire them, but then it says, you know, he only, some people have them, some people don't. And then he says, you know, some gifts are given for others, and they're to use them, and, okay, so I'm all confused. So do we get all the spiritual gifts or not, right? Last week I said the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. How many spiritual gifts does the Holy Spirit have? He's got all of them. So how many spiritual gifts do you have inside of you? You have all of them. So what's the deal? How do, how do, you, do some people get some and some people don't? I think it depends on the audience that you're in. It depends on your body, the, the body of believers that you're, that you're doing fellowship with. So here's the encouraging thing. You might have this, the gift of discern. Uh, when I was the youth pastor, um, the statistics are, I'm not, you know, these kids aren't going to be in the church forever. And I'm like, okay, all right, guys, I'm going to sit you down. And uh, I'm, I'm your pastor now, but chances are I'm not going to be your pastor forever. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna graduate, you're going to go off to college, you're going to get married, you're going to go to new churches, you're going to do things that you shouldn't do. But when you, when you find a body of believers, when you find a church, you need to, A, make sure that the pastor is a man of character, and then he goes after the, the sign gifts. That, that he's, he's committed to seeing the power of God unleashed in the church. Those two things are very important. But also when you walk in, and this is, might be applied to you, so I'm not going to keep you all forever. I don't need to. When you go into a new congregation, you need to ask these two things. What can this church, this congregation, what can they do to strengthen and build my faith? What, what am I missing that this beautiful group of people have that I, that, that I don't realize I need? Huh? So you need to ask that question, but probably even more importantly, you need to ask, what can I give this beautiful group of people? What gift do I have to offer, right? So here's what I, so, all right, Mike and Kim Noiser, they have the spiritual gift of healing. It's all over them. 
They function in a, in a very high level. So they, 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 they have a, that strong presence here, and it's like an anchor to this church. But there's also, there's also spiritual, there's other spiritual gifts going on here, right? Let's just say hypothetically, Mike gets hired and has to move to Texas. And he goes to a church. What's that? I'm not speaking that over you. I said hypothetically. And he goes to a church where, like, like it's the Pentecostal, charismatic, healing revival church, right? And they're all about healing. Like, that's their defining ministry is healing. And Mike and Kim walk into this church, and everybody is an expert on healing. Guess what? They're going to get frustrated. But here's the good news. There is more. It could be another gift. So maybe it's prophecy. Maybe that congregation needs prophecy. Or maybe it's the discerning of spirits. And you're here to give them that discerning of spirit. You see, I don't think we just get pigeonholed into one gift. It depends on what the body of Christ needs, not what you want or what you think that you need. It's about what the body of Christ needs. And what we don't need are more unhealthy churches that only focus on one thing. We need holistic churches that go after all of these gifts. And you have them all inside. And that might be terrifying because you might be, um, you might be predisposed to a certain gift like discernment because you're an intuitive person. But if you get into another environment, God might be pushing you to healing. I think they're all in there. And again, because if you continue to read the rest of the text, it's all about strengthening the body. So again, you get, this, you get the spiritual gift of faith through hearing and hearing the word of God, knowing that you're here to serve. And then again, this last bit of, you're not going to like this. I don't like this. Do I have any control freaks in the house? If you're a control freak, you're not going to like this. You ready? All these are the work of the one, the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Other translations say, just as he wills, or just basically whatever he wants to do, because he is sovereign. The vineyard movement didn't explode because of John Wimber's amazing administrative abilities. He was a lousy administrator. It exploded because it was God's sovereign will to unleash that there. Because a man said, oh my gosh, I, I have to believe in supernatural things. Huh? What does that mean for us? We, we, he gives these things to us, and it, it is as he determines. That means that we can't control it. It means you can't go to a class and get it. That means that you, have to, you, can, you can hear it, but it's still, this is God's sovereign will to do whatever he wants to do. And we have to be okay with not being in control. We even have to be okay with not even being in control with our lives. That might be very difficult to hear for a lot of us. We need to allow God to be in control of our lives. When we're in control of our lives, that, that's kind of a problem because that makes you God. But when God's in control of our lives, then we begin to move into the things of the Spirit. What in the world is this gift of faith? I think probably the best definition of it is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 11. 
No, the other way around. There's my dyslexia kicking in. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This translation is not the one I like. So it's now, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I'm going to give you a little prize. You guys can take your phones out and you can take a picture of this. And then, go ahead, do it. Take your phone out, take a picture of this verse because you're going to need it this week. My translation says, faith is confidence in what we hope for. This spiritual gift of faith, faith is confidence. Can you say that? Why don't you repeat that? Faith is confidence. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of, we, of what we don't see. Do you see how it goes from your ears through your mouth and into your eyes? You hear the word of God. You declare his truth. You speak it. And then you're able to see the things of the spirit. Faith. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. So if you're living in a constant state of insecurity, ask for that gift of faith, or at least ask God to strengthen your faith. If you're in a constant state of fretting and freaking out, there's more. There is more to this Christian life. There's confidence that comes with believing. There's confidence that comes in speaking the truth. There's confidence in knowing that what you say can move a mountain. Faith is confidence. Probably the best um, biblical illustration we have of this is Peter. Uh, Peter is the biggest knucklehead in the New Testament, right? And Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You are the anointed one. And Jesus responds, "Uh, you're right. You got it. And and upon this confession, I'm going to build the church. So he, see, Peter heard the teachings of Jesus. He spoke it. And then he began to develop, I think he's the very first person to really develop this gift of faith. And even after he spoke the truth, even after he messed up, even after he was restored, uh, he had this gift of faith where he would literally walk down the street and his shadow would heal people. He would literally begin to do the things that Jesus did. He cast out demons and he healed the sick and he had divine vision because he walked in faith. He, was, he had this gift of faith. He was able to change the world. He did the impossible because he had the gift of faith. So I want to encourage you. Look, God wants to give you that. He definitely wants to increase your faith. I would say there's probably a good handful of you in this room that, that he wants to give you this gift, or you probably have it. He just wants you to take it out of your wallet. He wants you to unpackage it. He wants you to let it loose. He wants, it, he, wants you to get, he wants your faith to get crazy. It doesn't belong packaged up. It needs to get out. So there's probably a good handful of you in this room that have that gift. And your purpose is to encourage the church, to encourage each other, to dream the impossible dream. Let me give you another practical illustration of how important this is. 
I know a lot of you. And I've seen a lot of you go through some very hard times. Very painful seasons. Where frankly, most people would give up. Most people would quit. Most people would fade out of church and quit coming. But you didn't. And, and, I, and I think I know why. It's because God has given you a measure of faith. And there was something instilled in you that you knew down deep inside when life goes sideways, you turn to the Lord, right? When things don't make sense, you have faith in the Lord. That's most of you in this room. I've seen some of the pain that you've walked through. So here's a gift that you can give. So if God wants to give you this gift of faith to get you through the hardest points in your life, let's pass it on. The most important gift that you can give to your children is the gift of faith. So think about this practically, but also think about it in your own life and spiritually. God wants to give you the gift of faith in order to get you through hard times. But you need to give the gift of faith to your kids because you know what this world is like. Hmm? You know how mean this world is? Your kids will go through hard times. That's in the Bible too, right? It's what it says. Everybody's going to go through hard times. Your kids are going to go through hard times. Give them the gift of faith to turn to when they go through these hard times. Give them that gift. Because when you go, you know this, when you go through a hard time, you will turn to something. Give your kids the gift of faith and they will turn to the Lord instead of turning to something else. That's how it works. All right, let me get the band and the ushers to come to the front. You guys good? You guys okay? Yeah. All right. Just stand with me as we get back to the Lord. God, right now, I pray that you give us faith. And God, I do, I do pray for the spiritual gift for the specific ones that are here to aid the church. They're here to encourage the church. They're, they're, they're cheerleaders that say, hey, we could do the impossible. I've seen it. And so, God, I pray right now that you give us faith. God, for those of us that don't have that gift, but they got another gift, God, I pray you fan those gifts in, they just fan them into flame, God. Let's just release them, God. Let's just get these things out. Let's get them out of our, let's get them out of our wallets. Let's get them out from under the Christmas tree. Let's unpackage these things. Let's let them go. Let's let the, let's let the dogs of heaven off the leash this week. God, we're so grateful that you designed a church that is full of power. That you designed a church that teaches that all things are possible through Christ who gives us strength. Strengthen us now, God. Breathe into our lives. Give us confidence, Lord. Give us confidence and a hope. A hope for our future.
God, give us the assurance of the things that we don't see. We don't see it, but we know it's going to happen. God, give us that assurance, God. Build our faith. God, I pray right now you just bless this offering so that it would advance the kingdom of heaven in this city, in these homes, in these communities, the surrounding areas, Sri Lanka, Indonesia, Africa, Mexico, wherever wherever you call us to go, we'll be faithful and go. Bless this offering, Lord. Amen.